You're listening to the Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. entrepreneurs either start their business when they can't find something like it on the market or as a way to make something good out of something bad. Photographer Shannon Chipman can relate to that last one. After recovering from a mastectomy, she started her social media channels, a blog, and even dived into photography. She grew to be a successful influencer, but found her passion in New England storytelling through her photography. Today, she sells prints on her website, as well as helps many other small businesses through her first e-course. Let's hear all about Shannon's journey now. All right, so why don't you tell everyone who you are, where you live, and a little bit about what you do? Okay. Hey, I am Shannon Shipman. I am located just outside of Boston, the best city in America by far. Well, (laughs) no. No, no. And then I am actually an entrepreneur of sorts. I help um, run two family companies that my parents have had since, oh God, for 30 years now. I have a print shop. I have a travel blog and I have some new stuff coming down the pipeline that I'm very excited about. And I am obsessed with helping small businesses utilize social media. I love that. That's perfect. It sums it all up perfectly for you. So did you go to college? And if so, what did you study? Like, did you, I know you do a lot of photography now with your blog and with your business, but did you ever dabble in that before in college or, you know, tell us a little bit about what you studied. The, so I went to Randolph-Macon, a small private school down near Richmond, Virginia. It was awesome. Such a great experience. Very old school, Southern style, beautiful traditional buildings. I majored in British literature and I minored in journalism and no photography. However, I was always the person that had, I was always the girl with the camera. So the photos weren't great. I was just trying to capture the memories that we were always making. Gotcha. Okay. So then I guess you kind of were always creative then if you, you know, always had a camera, it sounds like you always had this creative, you know, gene in you. Is that true? And like, where do you think that came from? If so? I'd have to say probably my dad. My dad is very big into art. I am actually a really good drawer. I used to draw in pencil and charcoal and pastels. Um, so yes, I've always had quite the imagination. But you know, when you're young and you're exhibiting all these creative qualities and you grow up and you start getting social and then you're driving and then you're in college, some of those get kind of put on the back burner until you discover what, what else you love to do. Mm-hmm. No, that's said perfectly. And I feel like you kind of, you rediscover passions, but you also, you know, discover new ones along the way too. Yeah. And they kind of come full circle. They kind of interconnect in, in ways that you would never imagine. You couldn't see, you know, for the foreseeable future, you couldn't tell, okay, I really like what I'm doing and this is great and this is fun, but I'm going to put it aside. And then it's like 10 years later, you're like, whoa, this is like deja vu all over again. Uh Uh-huh. No, that's exactly. So... You were diagnosed with breast cancer with the breast cancer gene in 2014 and this sort of jump started then, you know, your passion for photography and travel and all of that. So can you talk us a little bit about that journey like how you realized that you had the breast cancer gene, um what your decision process was, a little bit of that story? Yeah. So the breast cancer gene also known as the BRCA mutation mm-hmm. um has been around for quite a a while, but not long enough that my family has a very, it's not a great past with cancer. Every female in my mother's side of the family has passed away from cancer. Um, Until recently, we just had our first female, um, my great aunt pass away and she did not have cancer. Thank God. She died in her sleep peacefully the way every Um, older person should go. Um, But it just, there was a lot of things that just weren't making sense as I was growing up. And, you know, cancer has been around since the beginning of civilization. And Mm -hmm. it is one of those evil 
things that evolves. And so what we're finding out is constantly changing because of our studies, because of the, you know, the actual disease itself. And so when my aunt got cancer, I was a junior in college. She was 41. I was closer to her than my parents. And in six months, she was gone. She was very healthy. She worked out all the time. She ate well. Um, it didn't make sense. But then a lot of cancer cases don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started doing massive amounts of research. And at that point, the doctors didn't know. They had ideas, but for the most part, you know, the people studying it had ideas, but the medical society in general did not have any clear connection. They're like, it's not genetic. It's not genetic. And so my mom was like, it's not genetic. It's fine. Well, fast forward, my grandmother got cancer and my grandmother was you know, very young. She was in her early fifties for her to get cancer too. And so, or her, like her late fifties, which is still pretty young. And so mm -hmm. we were sitting there and I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. And then Angelina Jolie, that whole situation came out, um, okay. which was huge eye opening for many, many people. It basically put the BRCA mutation on the map, whereas most doctors weren't paying much attention to it. I, I don't want to say anything bad against the medical community, but like, only the doctors, the oncologists that were really involved in the research stage were really pushing patients to get this test. And this test was $3,500 to $4,000. Oh, wow. So when I was in my 20s, I was like, whatever, I'm 20-something. Who the night? I'm not going anywhere. This isn't going to happen. We didn't know the stats back then. We didn't know how bad, how much risk I was at mm -hmm. at that point in time. Um, and we're still fine. There's still genes that they think are linked to cancer that they have not pinpointed yet, but they believe are out there. Um, and so when Angelina came in and she was like, this is unfair, you know, this is what I have. A lot of women have this. I say a lot of women, but it's still an extremely rare mutation. But there were women that were out there that were dying because they did not know they had this link at very young ages. And she said, you cannot put a monopoly on this test. And so then all of a sudden it exploded. And now you can either when I got the test, the doctor was like, well, we have a test. And I was like, yes, 3,500 bucks. No way. She was like, actually, it's $300. I was like, sign me up today. Oh. I'm doing it. And nowadays, I think a lot of insurance companies will actually cover that because now okay. they want to know, because if they do the preventative measures, they're not paying, you know, on the back end of when you actually, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's come a long, long way. And it was kind of like, it was one of those when you have, an intuition and you really feel very strongly, even though like, you know, it's like the guy, the first guy, however many years ago ran that mile in under four minutes, like it can't be done. No, actually mm -hmm. it can be done. Um, and it is, it, it was existing. I was kind of like, here we go. Even when I got the test, my mom was like, that's impossible. It's, it's wrong. And she got tested thinking it was a mistake. Well, it's, it's a genetic strand. It's not, <laughs> there's no yeah. mistakes in that. Yeah. So, but yeah, so it did your mom get tested too, or just you? She then? had to, yeah, because okay. this gene is a dominant gene, so it mm -hmm. doesn't skip generations. So, okay. because I have it, whatever side of the family it came from, my mother, which it was my mother's side, definitely had it, and then therefore, like my grandmother had it, and my grandmother had they had three girls, and one sister did not have it, but my aunt and my mom did have it. Got it. So if you don't have it, like if I ever had a child and they didn't have it, it would be like done. Their kids wouldn't have it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But a 50-50 chance is still a really high chance when you're coming to like, you know, genetic mutations. It's not a, it's not a good probability. No, I'm learning so much. My um, grandmother actually had breast cancer um, and she, now she's much better. She had the surgery and all of that to get it taken out. Um, but that was the first breast cancer in the family that we've actually had on both sides. Um, so I, and that was just a few years ago. And I'm sorry I, to hear that. I'm glad that she like, you know, got herself checked out and, and went through the surgery and got everything taken care of. Exactly. Yeah. No. So I'm, I'm intrigued by this and learning a ton from you even. Well, so your ahead. test then came back positive yeah. then that you had the gene. So then what was, you know, your thought process and your decision process next? Well, so a lot of people are like, oh, she has the breast cancer gene, but they're not really aware of how high the risks are. And when I found out I was 33, 34, and basically that put me in the pool of my risk for breast cancer was like 80%. It, it was astronomically high. And so 
what the mutation does is everybody has the BRCA gene in general. But for most of the population, what happens is when cancer cells enter your body, the BRCA gene fights it off. Um, and so it keeps you healthy. My BRCA mutation means that it won't fight cancer. So cancer, once it's in, will basically be breeding inside of me. Okay. Um, so I don't have that protection. Now, there's a few different things you can do once you find out. You can either just stick your head in the sand and just say the hell with it. I'm not doing anything. Or mm -hmm. you can um, get tested every so often. Um, they want to watch you like a hawk. Or you can give yourself the best chance that you have and you can do the surgeries. And for me at that point in time, the surgery that would have given me the highest and has given me the highest of, um, you know, chance of not getting breast cancer was to have a prophylactic double mastectomy. So I didn't hesitate. That's a very personal decision. There's a lot of women that feel if they were to do that, or if they were to remove their ovaries, which will be my next surgery in the next upcoming year. Um, okay. Because once I hit 40, my chances for ovarian cancer go through the roof. So it, it you don't have to do it, but what if it's too much nowadays. You can get cancer from the things that you eat, from your environment. Um, you know, there's just so many things that like, why would you take the risk? But a lot of women feel like there won't be women anymore. And it's a very personal decision for me. Yeah. I don't care. Like, get it out. If I don't have ovaries, that's not going to make me less of a woman. Even if I didn't have um, the reconstructive surgery, I literally would not care. And that's just based off of my past experience with my family. It was very traumatizing. Okay. So no, that makes sense. And I mean, well, first of all, I think it's so smart of you. I mean, even at just what you said at 34, you had the surgery. And so when did you start this journey of looking into everything? I guess your early 30s, probably? Well, so we had decided that we were going to start um, trying to have kids. And we we're like, okay, let's be adults, right? We're in our 30s. What do we go do? We go to the doctor and be like, we're going to start having kids. Is there anything we should know about? And that was when all the genetic stuff, you know, when when you start to have children, they do these genetic tests because they want to make mm -hmm. sure you don't have certain things in your husband and then it kind of clashes. Um, they just want you to know all of the ins and outs. Well, this came up and, and that was how I ended up taking it. And that was how I ended up finding that the price had been dropped drastically. Um, I would highly recommend to anybody who has a very um, high percentage in their family or any kind mm -hmm. of cancer that is rare. My aunt's cancer was extremely rare. It was inflammatory breast cancer and it was extremely fast. So anything wow. like that, that isn't like, you know, that's completely out of the ordinary. I would definitely recommend like talk to your doctor, get checked. You would want to know versus, yeah. you know, giving yourself options before waiting till it's too late. I exactly. can't stress that enough. Yep. But I mean, I, I just think it's so impressive that, you know, you, took this on your own to research the facts that um, to get tested and, you know, do all of that, I think is so admirable, especially at that age. I think, you know, a lot of us don't really, we think about cancer, but not fully. And we don't yeah. recognize it as, you know, that, it, that it's deadly. Like, it's like, oh, that'll happen to someone else or, but we don't actually take the actions. Yeah. Um, again, it was all, you know, I think what we do in our lives is based off of things that we've been through in the past. And mm -hmm. my mom thought I was crazy. My mom thought I was nuts. My husband thought I was nuts. Everybody was like, this is, you're crazy. And I was like, I knew as soon as I said yes to the test, I knew the results. I, my husband was on a work trip when I went and got the results. I was alone. The doctor was crying, telling me the results. And I was just sitting there like, I, I, damn, I was right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and, and I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, that's so bad. I feel so bad. I'm very fortunate to know about this situation. A lot mm -hmm. of people that get cancer, they don't have the gene. Uh, they have no idea why they got it. They have no idea, you know, they aren't prepared um, I, I get tested still every three months, every three okay. months I have to get my blood work done. I have to, um, I have to do all sorts of tests to make sure that I'm not, that I'm cancer free. Yep. So I feel very fortunate, even though it's a bad situation, I'm, I'm lucky where I'm at. Well, you're taking control of it. Like you're making, instead of waiting and, you know, having it completely make all the decisions. It sounds like, you know, you're a little bit more in control and able to make some of these decisions to And that's you know, all we can do. Life. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly. all anybody can do with any situation like this.
definitely. So there, you know, there's one thing that came out that was a benefit from this. And it's kind of you got into photography a little bit more, you started your blog. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your decisions to get into that and your inspiration. So I have always had a camera. I've always traveled. My parents love to travel. So we were always on trips. And I always had a camera. And like I said, they weren't anything, the pictures were not anything to write home about. Um, But after the surgery, I had a lot of downtime and I was looking at social media more than I ever had before. And the writing was kind of on the wall, like, oh, this is really going somewhere and, and I can do this. And this is like, this is easy. People are asking me for all this stuff all the time anyways, like travel guides and what I wear. I used to do a lot of style and I just, I don't love that. So I, I dropped out of that. Um, and I was just like, I can totally do this. Oh my gosh. No, no. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what SEO was. I didn't have a great camera. I didn't know how to use anything manual. I had no idea how to write a blog. Like I knew how to write. I couldn't set up a blog post. It was um, a lot of trial and error throughout uh-huh. the process. It still is. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm still learning new things and everything that I do is like, oh, I screwed that up. Let's, let's go again. Let's do it again. Um, but yeah, so it led into that. And I just, I loved it so much that when you love something, you just keep going, you know, you just keep moving forward. And so I, if I didn't have that whole practice situation and the the surgery and the downtime, I definitely would just still be doing my first job working. Yeah. So how did you hone in then on those photography skills? You know, you've always had a camera, but then when did you really um develop those skills and how did you do that was it just trial and error was it looking up youtube videos did you take any classes um so at that point in time i still wasn't like savvy on the whole like youtube search engine although youtube is like the second largest search engine if i had known Mm -hmm. that then i would have been a lot better off (laughs) um it was it was definitely trial and error. It was definitely having my camera 24-7, upgrading my camera, upgrading my camera again, um, doing all sort like if I was doing um, sunset photos or slow motion water photos or doing videos or everything I could do and practice, I, I would. I would drag my husband to this pier when we lived in California like every night for a week just so I could practice long exposure photography. Um, I still, honestly, I still don't know the lingo or the terminology. If I were to like teach a photography class, it would not go well, or maybe it would because I would be speaking in common terms. I don't, I don't know. Um, I just know what to do at this point. And it became an extension of my right hand. And that's literally the only way I think anybody can, you know, perfect anything. It's just constant practice. Nobody is born to have a great Instagram account. Nobody's born knowing how to take a picture. Like it doesn't work that way. Yeah. That's so funny. That's very (laughs) true though. Um, So then, you know, you were taking a lot of pictures, you were practicing a lot, you were really developing this skill. Um, At the same time, you're building your blog and, you know, your readership and followership base. So when did you realize that you could kind of turn this more into a business? Good Lord. So <laughs> there was a probably a couple instances. Um, I would say so along the way, I've had people from all over reach out to me, loving photos, wanting prints, yada yada yada. And I just, I didn't want to get into that. It wasn't. It was more work, you know. I already had the two family businesses, and I just was like, I this is going to be so much work. And the blog itself, I mean, you know, like having social media in the blog itself is like a whole other full time job on yeah. top of your full time job. And. And there's a lot to figure out. Like, how do I get the pictures large scale? How do I, it was just a lot. And so um, the people kept asking. And so finally I was like, okay. And then it hit me one, a while ago, I had my first $10,000 month from like, you know, campaigns. And I was like, awesome. This is great. And then I was completing the campaigns and I was like, this is not great. (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing great about this. Like, you know, of course you have the money coming in from affiliate links and, and that's great. That's pretty easy. But with the campaigns, it's like, you're, you're basically working for other people. You have to send things in to be approved, which kind of take, not every campaign is like this. Some campaigns let you take the full creative run, but that particular successful month was, was not. And they wanted me to word things in ways that I wouldn't word it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I was not ever down with that. And I was just like, I don't, why, 
I'm going to get a lot of slack for this. I was realized right then and there, I was done pushing other people's product. I was okay. done. And I was like, what am I, what am I doing? I need to push mine. Like, it's great. And I love talking and I love promoting small businesses. I plug small mm-hmm. businesses on my blog and on my Instagram all the time, but that's because I want to, right? Like I'm talking about it because I genuinely love their stuff. Yeah. And like, even though I was genuinely using, genuinely using these products, it's, a, it's different when you're in a campaign and they're, you're, they're, you're not, still not the boss of you. You're taking a yeah. paycheck from them and it's, it's their stuff. It's not yeah. yours. And for yeah. me, it, it wasn't fun. And so I was like, forget it. I was like, well, this is time. Here we go. <laughs> time to figure it out. And I, I did. It took a long time. But a lot of business decisions, um, you know, especially when you're doing an online business, it was way different than, mm-hmm. you know, our contractor companies, which is, you know, in-house, person to person. It was it was a lot to figure out. Worth it, though. Worth it. Definitely. So you decided then basically, you know, you were tired of pushing other people's products and, you know, not necessarily being able to control the voice of it. Mm-hmm. So you thought you could sell your own product then essentially push your own products, correct? Yeah. If I was going to put all of that time and effort, it was going to be on my own stuff for my own mm-hmm. terms. And I'm not saying that like, you know, there's influencers out there that do it brilliantly. They are so good at it. And it's yeah. like, I love watching them. It's, it's, you know, it's very magnetic the way that they come across for stuff. Um, but they'll tell you too, that they probably had some nightmare campaigns. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm on the same page as you with that. Like I've always, I've always had a blog since I was in high school, honestly. Um, but I've never wanted to be a blogger myself. Like I love my business and I love supporting small businesses and entrepreneurs. And so I use my blog and my social media as an extension of that. And one time I did a collaboration with like a a larger skincare brand and it felt so cheesy and so forced to me, like to have this like this bottle of lotion like in the picture and so ever since then I was like okay like I like kind of diverted for a little bit and like I need to get back to the reason because it just felt so wrong to me not wrong like there's plenty of people who do it well like you said but to me personally it was just not genuine I felt like it is very very hard if you were doing this full-time as an influencer and you anybody listening to this if you're not an influencer or you have no idea um, or you think you know, you do not know how much work goes in on the back end for these mm-hmm. people. They work their entire butts off, literally yeah. day in, day out, 24 hours a day. They don't take vacations. I barely take, va- I don't take vacations. Who am I mm-hmm. kidding? Um, but there will come a time in an influencer's life where they will be taking something because this is their full-time living and it will not be authentic. You can only talk about so many makeup brands being your favorite, so many couches in your house. (laughs) And I I hate to say that, but at the same point in time, it's kind of like, oh, you know, and and I I look at a lot of these people and I could literally rattle off like five things that they could be doing that is 100% theirs. Uh Uh-huh. Um, Definitely. And you know, it, it is what it is. Social media is not going anywhere. Influencers, yeah. they're not going anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. they are actually 10 times better and do such a better job than just looking at a magazine of somebody that you'll never be. You yeah. can be these people. They're like your neighbors. They're like your college friends. Like they're yeah. just, they're, you know, a lot of them are cool, but it, it wasn't my style by any Definitely. means. I'm with you on that. Um, so you decided you were going to create your own product and sort of focus more on your own business. So what were the steps to doing so? Like, what were some of the first steps to getting this together then? God, what wasn't a step? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so the biggest thing for me was I knew I was going to have to completely redo my entire blog. It couldn't be a blog anymore. It basically had to become a, a shop website and I had a very specific vision in mind where I I basically put the shop up front and then the blog is in the back so you can access the blog but when you look at it you're looking at basically a shop page um a very well done shop page but that alone having um I got I I work with a team and I would just literally be like no I want my pages like this I would draw it out like I would draw it out like a blueprint and I would send it to them to do the custom coding. 
like that, that's took- how I do it too. Any graphics I need made for yep. this took place. My graphics, I draw everything out. Yep. <laughs> this took place for months, and then the copy alone, like getting the copy straight, um, you know, and market research forever too. There would be days that I would look at my laptop and I would have. 30 tabs open of photographers' websites just going through and basically scouring the site to see what worked, what didn't work, what was pleasing, what what was easy on the user, you know what I mean? Who could search this? Who could search what? And, and then brain dumping all that and putting it into my site today. Um, and I would say the easiest part, the two easiest things about it was, A, I love the photography aspect a lot of people don't think about it, but when they're looking at my pages or they're looking at my pictures, they're actually coming from 90% of them. A couple of them are, whoa, I'm pulling over and I'm getting this shot right now today. But 90% of the shots are, I have a story or a memory that somebody has shared with me through an email, through a DM, through a comment. People's stories are what these pictures are driven to. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time I take it, I think about the angles and how it would work in what room and what colors, what, you know, creative interior design. Um, and I, I love that I connect that back to those memories because that's what I want people. I want my photos to hang in homes and tell the owner's story. Um, but the second easiest part was, well, it was, it was easy and hard at the same time. I, I grew up in a small family business, so I was very adamant that I use small businesses. And 90% of my chain of supply is right here in New England. The only thing not made in New England, not created in New England, is the ink that goes into the paper and the actual paper itself. My prints are printed at um, Adjective Art and Framing, which is right here, a small company in Boston. They Mm -hmm. also make my frames, which are handmade to order. The wood comes right out of New England. It is sustainably forested. The lumber people who get the wood to Adjective Art and Framing is located right in Vermont. My metal prints are made right here in Rhode Island. Everything is done by a small family-owned business right here in this region. And that was a huge, huge deal to me. And I I'm so happy. That was definitely one of the easiest parts of being like, yep, these are the people. This is it. And it's been a great working relationship. I'm sure. And I think that, you know, that means a lot to the people buying your prints and um, photography. I think that um, it probably means a lot to you, obviously, then, too. I'm sure it was hard, though. I mean, the idea of doing it, I'm sure, was an easy decision for you. But I'm sure it was hard to source everything. Uh, like, it's so much easier to go on the Internet and find something that's printed across the country or overseas or a lot cheaper, whatever yes. it may be. Yes. Um, so I think that that speaks a lot then. The frames, too. You know, the frames, if you get uh, – I'm not – going to name frame names, company names, but um, if you were to order, you know, framed images, they just come back and they look like hell. And my prints can go up to 40 by 60. I'm not going to hang a 40 by 60 print in somebody's home and just have it fall off the wall or <laughs> fall to pieces in two years. Like that's, yep. I'm not, I can't do that. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so there was that aspect too. And this also st- lets me stand out from the sea of photographers in that sense, in a small business sense. And it also speaks very much to the Northeast, uh, you know, tradition. We still have a very booming small business society here, much yeah. more so than any place, any place else in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I love, love it. that. And, yeah. you know, my family owns small business too. I grew up around small business. So I admire that that was, you know, part of the mission when you started your company then. Yeah. It's so, very, very important. Let's talk about then the other aspect. You also have a sort of give back option um, or part of your business as well. So can you talk about that? Yeah, of course. So again, I think growing up in a small family business, um, we were always giving back, whether we were involved or we were, you know, doing, there's always something in the community that we were giving Mm -hmm. back to. And so I really wanted to be able to give 10% of my sales, not my profits, but my sales. And because of the whole uh, cancer gene, I wanted to be able to give back to something in the Northeastern region um, and also having to do with cancer. In a sense, we give 10% of our sales back to Camp Sunshine, which is located in Maine. 
And this place we have ties to, my husband has done a, a couple of events for them called Seals for Sunshine. He used to be a seal. And so we raise money and he like competes in these events that are mm -hmm. crazy. Like he's like swam 13 miles across a lake and oh <laughs> it's just nuts. Um, but we love this organization. We have gotten so deep with this organization that they let us stay. And every week they have families, not right now because of COVID, they're switching things up, but come to the camp and it's like a luxurious camp. It's not like a, a tent. Yeah. And it's for children, families that have children that have life-threatening diseases. And a lot of children, life-threatening diseases are cancer. Uh -huh. um, and so it's not a lot. It's the only place that I am aware of that takes the whole family, like parents, siblings, grandparents, yeah. aunts, uncles, usually places will just take the child and like maybe the mom and the dad yeah. to do something, but it's basically a vacation for, for free for them to do things together. There's therapy, there's medical assistance, there's everything that you could think of that would be a dream for a family to have a normal life during this really Aww. difficult situation. Um, it's really a beautiful organization. I cannot speak more highly of them and to be able to give back to them is, is a huge huge treat. That sounds amazing. I mean, what a great organization. How did you find them? Was it just research or were you familiar with them before you decided to add this, you know, well, give back portion? Well, so my husband used to be a Navy SEAL and uh -huh. we have uh, friends in the teams. They're broken up into teams um, for anybody who doesn't know like the military lingo. And he, one of the guys was from that area up in Maine and he, because he grew up there and was familiar with the organization and he loved them and loved everybody, everything that they did. He was like, we're going to, we are going to give this organization money and this is how we're going to do it. And so he basically, Mike created these events and it was called Seals for Sunshine and any seal that could make it because their schedules are all over the place mm -hmm. would basically go and do these triathlon events or these just these crazy physical feats to raise money for um for the camp and be, in doing that camp sunshine was so thankful that they invited us whoever participated out and we were able to stay on the property we were able to go into the mess hall you know with the families we were able to go into like the arts classes with the kids and basically sit down and talk to the families and talk to the oh kids God. and really be integrated into how they do things um, it, it's, it's life-changing. It's life-changing. Wow. It's really a phenomenal experience. And also they take volunteers to the, their wait list is crazy long because so many people love them, but they take care of everything. Like if you're in Florida, they take care of the transportation to get your entire family up there. Nothing, you don't pay for anything. It's, it, it's a blessing because when you are a caretaker of somebody, especially your child, mm -hmm. the stress is, I, I, I can't find a word to describe how bad it is. Oh, I can't imagine. So, so yeah, that's, that's, yeah, we love that. And a lot of people love, you know, being a part of a product that, that does that, you know, times with buying products are changing. Not everybody wants a Gucci and Chanel <laughs> knowing that, I mean, of course we love them, but you know, <laughs> realistically nowadays I'm going to put my money towards an organization that's going to give back, that's going to help for yep. the greater good. Yep. I'm sure you've read, I always talk about this, but um, the founder of Tom's Shoes, Blake, uh, I forget his last name, he wrote a book and I had to read it actually in college as part of our learning. Um, and basically he said, every business, there's no reason why there shouldn't be like some sort of give back or help. 100%. Um, there's no reason. Business. Yeah. No reason. Whether it's time, whether it's uh, it, anything, time, attention, um, money, uh, mm -hmm. anything. There's no reason a company can't do it. Period. Definitely. I love that. That organization sounds amazing. I have to, to look into it more and see how, you know, I can contribute. Yeah. So, they're, they're great people. I'm sure. So what do you think has helped people in discovering you and your photography and, um, your prints and all of that? I mean, it, I guess you had a little bit of a base once you started your blog and your social media at the beginning, and then that sort of helps now, um, with your products and your prints, but what advice would you give on sort of growing an audience or helping people discover a business or a brand or an influencer? I think it's different for each 
category for business and influencers is, is completely different. They mm-hmm. they have two different end goals there, but showing up consistently all the way across the board. Number one, always, always, always getting on stories, showing your face, putting yourself out there. Um, you know, there's so many people in this space, and I'm not saying it. it yes, it's saturated. I don't believe it's oversaturated. I think there. I'm one of those believers that there is 100 room for every. Mm-hmm. There are billions of people on this app. There's room for everybody, every kind of business, every kind of influencer. Um, but that doesn't mean that your dream brand is just going to notice you. Like you have to put yourself out there. You have to make an, uh, a connection. You have to like either pitch or, you know, start talking to them, um, start paying attention to what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, helping people. I don't know how people get by without you have an audience. Why aren't you helping people? <laughs> um, I, I hugely believe in helping people and uh, CTAs, calls to action. Um, you have people, a confused buyer won't buy anything. People don't always know when you put this, look at this beautiful sunset. Okay. Like, okay. I'm looking at this picture of this beautiful sunset. Great. Like how about look at this beautiful sunset, give a story about how you got to this. Maybe you got a flat tire on the way. I don't know. Has this ever happened to you? And then you're going to like blow up with comments like, yeah, I was stuck in Ireland on the side of the road. And could you believe this? You know what I mean? You have to use a call to action. You have to direct people, whether it's to your website or to a specific product, or do you need your audience's help? Like, Hey, do you like this bracelet in red or blue? Um, you have to direct them with a call to action. Definitely. I think that's great advice. And you kind of um, spoke across the board there. It's perfect. What's been a challenge for you in business? I'm sure as any entrepreneur, there's been many. So, but what would you say has been like one challenge that sticks out to you or maybe something you're still going through or something you went through, but you have a great resolution that someone could learn from it? Oh, uh, I've gotten much better with this, but I would say people's opinions and unsolicited mm-hmm. advice. Yep. There's a lot of jargon in this industry. And I think, again, for influencers and small businesses, your end game is completely different. Um, an influencer is running their own business with affiliate links in their campaigns, but a small business, like they don't need hundreds of thousands of followers to make a really good profit. Like, popularity doesn't equal profitability, but influencers, mm-hmm. they kind of need that engagement. They need those numbers for campaigns to pick them up. So I would definitely say doing a lot of things that a lot of people said that I should be doing, like even my friends, when I started out, like, well, who are you going to talk to? Who are you going to like, you need to get this brand and this brand. And a lot of it was like clothing. And I was kind of like, what, what, why do I? And I was, you know, confused in the beginning and I didn't know what my mind was going all over the place, trying to do all the things. And people on the internet are very opinionated mm-hmm. and they're going to say a lot of things about you behind your back, to your back, in your DMs, which is the best, right? Um, <laughs> you know, behind their computer screen. And nowadays it's just kind of like, bring it, whatever you got to say. It's, it's, I have a, a path. It's, it's not you're not on it. So you can, in, you can put whatever you want on there, but I don't, I don't really care. So that would probably be the, the biggest, hardest lesson was like going in too many directions that people thought I need to go in before mm-hmm. being like, nope, cut the noise, cut it out. This is my path. This is where I'm going. And I am running. I'm on yep. it. So what's your opinion then on dealing with, like if someone writes a nasty comment or sends their unsolicited advice like do you respond to it do you ignore it like I know lots of people have different opinions like some people prefer just to ignore it delete it some people really get into the weeds with it some people just respond (laughs) you know thanks for your opinion (laughs) like I love when people post pictures other influencers that I follow I love when they post like pictures of like oh hey like this is yeah. yeah they have feedback it's almost like yeah it's almost like Jimmy Kimmel should is it Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy um they have like people read mean tweets about yeah, they should yeah, have the celebrities yeah. yeah they get influencers reading like mean DMs mm-hmm. um it's re- I, people are ridiculous I my my thing is it depends first off if I'm getting a DM or if I'm getting some kind of sugar daddy thing and the guy's holding a machine gun <laughs> you're getting blocked if you're a terrorist. <laughs> from another country you are getting blocked if you are a sugar daddy you're getting blocked um if it's somebody who's just mouthing off i don't 
get that many mean things in my comments, honestly. My mm-hmm. my people are actually pretty freaking awesome. I'm so yeah. thankful for my audience. I love my audience. Like I love them so much. Um, but if I do, I will try to address it in the comments or I will try to take it to DMs and address it there. That is for a nasty comment. If something, if somebody was upset with something like a print, I haven't had this happen yet, but hypothetically, if I did, I would 100% the customer and the customer's journey is the main focus. That's Mm -hmm. all I care about. And if somebody's not happy, I want to make that, I want to change that. I want to fix it. Um, And so I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that that customer is happy because that's what keeps people coming back. But the main comments, you know, sometimes people are just going through stuff and they're just going to be jerks. I'm, I don't think I can cuss on this. I'm trying really hard not to, but they can, (laughs) you know, they can be, they can be jerks. Um, and I, I do my best trying, but sometimes they just, it is what it is. And it depends on how bad the comment is. If it's getting other people riled up, I'll go ahead and delete it. Um, but if it's not and people don't care, it, whatever. Um, it's mm-hmm. no skin off my back. Yep. No, I understand that. So do you have a lot of experience with travel, obviously. So where is your favorite place to travel? Well, obviously New England, literally. <laughs> um, no, really, I never expected to. When we moved here four years ago, I was like, oh, whatever, Boston. We'll be here for like two years. Tops. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, my God, please stay here, please. I want to stay here. Oh. We're staying here. I I love it. I love the people. Um, I love the communities all over New England. Um, each state, it's just so special, so beautiful, so many great traditions. It, it's it's a great place. Um, if I would never get over there. If someone hasn't been to New England, where's like one place you think that they should go? Depends on the season. Right now, I'm going to say Vermont. <laughs> Because okay. <laughs> we're coming into, you know, we're coming into fall. Oh, yeah. Um, but there, every state has something so special to offer. Um, and it's so easy to spend a week here and kind of like bounce around. That's another beautiful aspect of this region. You can see so much in such a short amount of time. But internationally, I love Scotland. I, yes. I, I am itching to get back to Scotland. Um, a lot of places in Europe, but Scotland in general is just amazing. It's gorgeous. I went there two years ago and I, same thing, Will and I, we talk about that. We need to go back there sometime. It's incredible. <laughs> it's every, every picture, every scene is something out of like a postcard or it's, there's no, everything that you see from Scotland that's beautiful is, is exactly what it is. There's no lies. There's no touching mm-hmm. it up. There's no, it's, it's just perfect. Totally agree. So what's one thing then that you always pack besides your camera, of course, like kind of like a What's one thing you think people should pack or a great travel um, product or something along those lines? Oh, gosh, a product. <laughs> I was like, say do my- you have like a carry on that you absolutely love or um, do you always pack like an I always pack an eye mask whenever I travel for work because I feel like the lighting's different at each hotel. So for me to get a good sleep, like, is there anything like that? That's kind of like a little travel hack for you. I- no, I'm always working. I was gonna say a drone. <laughs> like I always have my drone. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, a great travel hack is like if you're doing a road trip, especially if you're doing internationally international road trips, you should map out where you're going first and then save those in Google Maps so yes. that you actually have those maps available versus like when you get over to, you know, in the middle of nowhere, Ireland, where there's not a lot of room on the road and you can't really pull over to you know, in a place where you have no service, you're mm-hmm. not screwed and hanging out looking at sheep. Like you literally yeah. are like, okay, I know where I'm going. This is this is where I'm headed to next. That's definitely a huge, huge help. Get all of that stuff like taken care of before you go. I usually, <laughs> I'm such a nerd. I usually print out an itinerary that I've written up and I've got all the restaurants that I want to hit up in the area. I've got all, I do a shot schedule of all the shots that I want to take. And then that way, like whether I follow it or not doesn't matter I did the research beforehand so I'm not wasting my time on the trip I have options to do whatever I want to do that's smart that's that's what my mom does and I love traveling with my parents because my mom she has like multiple maps ready with everything marked out (laughs) and she has the itinerary with hours of when things are open and when things so there's no questions there's nothing to look mom is my kind of woman exactly (laughs) exactly yeah um so what's one photography tip that 
you could share with everyone, whether it's, you know, um, an iPhone photography tip or a real camera. What's like one tip that you think people should know or could learn? Definitely learn how to use the manual settings, but most of all, have fun with it. Like just have fun. I think people get so caught up and so stressed out that they're not doing something right or uh, they don't have the subject right or the angle right. That will all come in time. Your style will come in time. Like just because like five people don't like your shot doesn't mean these other 50 people won't like it. You know, it's like don't hold yourself back and wait for your perfect image. You're 100% or they, okay. So how do I say this? I have to remind myself of this all the time. Like my 100%, I never get there in my head. My, I never get to where my 100% is. I get to about my 75%. And for that, when people look at it, they think it's like 120. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Like they don't think they're not judging your stuff or you like you're judging your own standards. Get it out. If you don't get it out, the most, I think Taylor Swift said this, one of her songs, like all the best movies were never made. Yeah. They didn't get out because people got too much in their head. They didn't put it out. Yep. That's actually from her new album. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Big T Swift fan. Yes, Amazing. Same. I was like, I know that quote. Yeah. Um, okay. What's your favorite print on your website right now? I know uh, it's like kicking a child that people say, but um, what's your uh, favorite right God. now? This is the worst. Uh, right now, I would say the picture I posted last week of the train trestle. It's called, there's two versions. There's a horizontal and a vertical. And it's called This Way to Autumn. It is a train trestle. It is lit up by just beautiful fall colors. I hit it at the exact point of the day it needed to be hit, the exact day of the year. It was peak. It was stunning. It's amazing in print, in person. Mm-hmm. Unreal. But... This location is such a, like, it's so funny because in the, in the community of photographers, nobody wants to tell anybody where it's at. It's this big secret hush hush and it's ridiculous, honestly, but, um, it's, it's a beautiful print and it, it, it really speaks volumes to just how incredible fall is in New England. Yep. It's gorgeous. It's, I love that print. Thank you. So who would be, like, if you could have your prints in anyone's home, who would be your dream person? Um, It could be a celebrity, a royal, or maybe even it's someone who's no longer with us that's, you know, already passed. Um, Who would be, like, your dream? So I have a handful, and they all have, like, links tied back to New England, obviously, because I I want these people to have these connections to my prints. That's what the whole point is. And ironically yesterday one of those came true (laughs) and I I was dancing around to Whitney Houston like nobody's (laughs) business when I got this email I will be having one of my Martha's Vineyard prints will be hanging in Patrick Ahern's office in Boston oh my gosh amazing I was like crying excited like screaming so excited for anybody listening to this who doesn't know who that is he is one of the most incredible American architects who is based out of New England and has designed like over 300 homes in Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard is one of my top three places in the New England region. Um, he, I've seen him have talks. He is amazing. His homes are amazing. The way that he does his work is amazing. He is uh, the way that he, he is the reason that Newberry Street is the way it is. It was revolutionized. It is very European, outdoor dining. He is just so rad. And my print is going to be in his office. And oh I am like gosh. so excited about it. That's amazing. Yeah. So who are some of the other people then too? Uh, I don't want to say names because some of them that I have found out through community travels have homes in the area, but people don't know they have homes in the area. Okay, um, fair enough. And I don't want to get like in trouble. And it's like, those are pipe dreams. How am I ever going to like, hey, who's your PR dude? Can I like send you a picture? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I would love to see more commercial businesses in Boston pick up my metal prints. Um, my pictures are, I have such a unique editing style because I really have colors. New England is full of color. Mm-hmm. It's not just coastal scenes that look good in any room. It's like really punchy, vibrant. This is what this region looks like. And 
to see it in metal 40 by 60s hanging on walls in commercial offices would just be like a, a dream because I think they would be so beautiful and they would be such a focal point. Um, and they're just modern. It's and when I think of modern, I think of the seaport district in Boston. Like you can't get more modern than that. Definitely. So since this is the preppy podcast, I always ask everyone, what does preppy mean to you? I'm not sure what other people's answers are to this, but <laughs> when I think of preppy, I think of like the classic American style. I think vintage photos from the Kennedy era, the silhouette of the dresses, the navy blazers, the loafers, all that style that never went out of style is still very much chic and classic today as it was at that point in time. Yeah, that's a perfect answer. I love that answer. Yay. Um, I actually posted a picture of the Kennedys on the uh, podcast Instagram the other day. So oh no way! Okay. I need to go back yeah. and look at it. I didn't like see a little it. style inspiration. God, I um, love it. man. I love that era. What a sad story for many, but oh god, yeah. that just that whole everything they stood for was just oh, I love it. I love it so yeah. much. So, what's next for you? Anything that you can kind of tease or tell us a little sneak peek? Yes, um, I can tease the heck out of it because I'm just <laughs> so excited. I am wrapping up, like literally doing the finishing touches of my first digital course. Oh. I bit the bullet after so many people have been asking for me, and I was like, it was the same thing with the print shop. That's a lot of work. And let me tell you, it's been a lot of freaking work. Yeah. Um, but I specifically did a course geared towards small businesses and how they can make Instagram and social media work for them. No more confusion, no more winging it, no more staring at the phone. How do you promote products? None of that. You will have the systems and processes in place to make the social media work for you. And I am so excited. I am kicking it off by doing a free Instagram challenge. It's going to be September 14th through 16th. And um, I haven't talked about it yet, but I'm going to in the next couple of days. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so happy about it because I know yeah. it's going to help so many people and it's not going to cost you hundreds of dollars. That's amazing. How much, do you know how much it's going to be yet? Yes, there's going to be, um, it's kind of set up in a couple different stages and you okay. can kind of do what you want, but it's going to be at $47. That's amazing. You have and no idea how happy I am about it. I think that's a perfect fit for you because you're always doing advice on Instagram for businesses of what they should be doing and little tips and tricks. So I think that's so smart. Yeah, um, I just fell into that. And now anytime I have somebody that I've helped come back and be like, I did this and it got me this and I got these clients because of what you told me to do. It just, it makes my heart sing you know as a small business or an entrepreneur we are already doing everything we don't need yeah. instagram to be hard and 2020 has shown us like you have to be online you have mm -hmm. to be i hate to mm -hmm. say that because i didn't believe that until covid hit and now it's like whoa we we have everybody has got to be online they have to have a presence Yep. I, that's so smart. I'm so excited for that. I, um, I'm going to tune into that too. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> I'm excited. So it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll, that's the whole point. It's going to be fun and it's going to work and it's going to be awesome. And so what's the date then that you're launching that? So I am going to start talking about the free Instagram engagement challenge in the next okay. couple of days. I don't okay. know when you'll release this, but the challenge will be September 14th through 16th. And anybody that joins the challenge will have early access to it. And then I'm going to do like a public launch on the uh, 20th of September. Okay, that's perfect. And that'll be on your website, then people can find it. That I will be talking about it on social media. And then I actually will be having its own oh. stuff will be going on with it too. Because it, you know, when you make these digital courses, they're hosted on these different sites, and you yep. kind of like rent, like room from them, if that makes sense. Yep, that makes sense. Um, so speaking of that, then my last question is, where can people find you? Let everyone know like your Instagram handle, your website address, that sort of thing. So you can find me at shannonshipman.com or on Instagram, it's shannon period m period shipman. Or you can shoot me an email, shoot me an email. I love hearing from people at shannon at shannonshipman.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me. It's always so much fun talking to you. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, great questions. You were born to do this. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. 